Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, a podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. And I'm Tom Askell, and uh, I must say, Jared, you're looking good today. <laughs> I miss seeing your face. <laughs> yeah, we, we are, uh, we're practicing social distancing today. That's right, we, that's we, right. What are, what are we, about, uh, what, six, seven, eight miles apart? Something like that. Could you back up just a little bit more? So get, get <laughs> my, my comfort zone demands that you go back a little bit more. You're still in my personal space. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, we're coming to you from Cape Coral, Florida. Uh, We're not, however, both in the Founder Studios because Jared has this little cough that continues to linger. Also called the coronavirus. (laughs) Could be. (laughs) But he is showing love to me and to Hannah and to others that would be in the office today. Uh, so he's staying home in order to be thoughtful and protective of us. And, and that's a good and right thing to do. And it actually provides the occasion for us to talk about things we want to talk about this morning. But before we do that, let me just say that, man, we are so grateful for you listening to this podcast and those of you that have prayed for founders and support founders. Uh, what's happening with the coronavirus has disrupted us somewhat because of uh, resources that we get shipped in and we get, try to get shipped out. Uh, we've had some uh, hiccups along the supply line, so to speak, even for uh, a ministry like ours. Uh, we do want to say, though, that those of you who supported the By What Standard uh, Synodoc that came out last December, we are looking forward to getting in your hands very soon the uh, things that we promised to you in terms of there's coffee cups and T-shirts and uh, DVDs, uh, Blu-rays. We're excited to, to tell you that we've actually laid eyes on those things. There's still some areas that we have to clean up with a few of those items. But um, anyway, God willing, by the end of this week, next week, we should be shipping the materials out to you, and then we'll be making whatever's left over available to others as well. So, welcome to the Sword and Trial. So, Jared, first of all, and how are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm feeling pretty good, man. Feeling pretty good. I actually feel just fine. Just this lingering cough from a sickness that I've already had for a while, and I figured I, I wouldn't come cough in your face this morning. Yeah, well, that's very thoughtful of you. And uh, we did uh, last Sunday when we worshiped uh, together, we encouraged folks to stay home if they had any signs of sickness or if they were in any of the risk categories. We can talk about that in a moment. And so you you voluntarily stayed home when probably you know six months ago, uh, given the situation you're in, you wouldn't have thought too much about coming because you don't think you're contagious and uh, the cough seems to be just a lingering element of uh, what maybe been a problem uh, several weeks ago, but in deference to those who are at risk and in light of the uh, counsel that we've been given by medical experts and through the government and all, we uh, asked people that were in situations like yours to stay home. So that kind of brings us to where we wanted to talk this morning about how should Christians, how should churches be thinking about this pandemic? It's been called a pandemic. There's a state of emergency that President Trump has called for the United States. Our governor, DeSantis, has called for a state of emergency in Florida. The Center for Disease Control has issued all kind of guidelines. They're changing daily, sometimes several times a day, about how people should conduct themselves and working in social environments and gatherings. And all that has implications for churches. So that brings yeah. us to where we are today. 
Yeah, the uh, you know we talked a little bit about this and how can we try to help people, Christians especially, as they think through the coronavirus and what's going on right now in our nation. Everybody's talking about it. There's no toilet paper at the stores. Um, we actually scored some some serious toilet paper action the other day. We loaded that stuff up. Uh, wait a minute, and, wait a minute. Is that why I see a sign in front of your yard, toilet paper, $20 per roll? That's right, man. <laughs> I'm trying to find out how to love people. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to make sure they get it. Um, so we talked about how do we discuss it. One of the things up front I think we could do is like, I don't know if it's like paint the edges of it, you know, like wisdom. Let's talk about both sides of this thing that you want to watch out for, that you want to be mindful of, and then see what other kind of, um, see what other kind of truths come to mind that would be helpful. So what I mean, what I mean by kind of paint the edges or guard the, guard the edges. On the one hand, um, we, we certainly want to love our neighbor and not spread this virus. And so, for example, we in our church, uh, did take measures. We said, Hey, if you, if you have any signs of sickness or symptoms, please stay home. Um, if you are any of these risk categories, it seems that the virus affects the elderly uh, more so than it does uh, those who are middle-aged or younger. So please, you, you know, consider yourself providentially hindered. We're not trying to dictate, you know, your conscience, but we would recommend you, you not join with us on the Lord's day. And so try not to go out um, as much, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, on the, on the other side is giving into panic right. and saying, well, you know, I'm not going to do absolutely anything. I'm not going to church for the next you know, six months until I'm confident or I'm, I'm merely going to do whatever the government tells me to do. So if the government ever tells the church not to meet for any reason whatsoever, I'm not going to do it. Right. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of um, do that kind of thing there. Well, we know that's wrong too. You need to exercise wisdom. You don't want to spread the virus. If you're in risk categories, you don't want to, you don't want to be foolish and contracting or spreading that virus. At the same time, you don't want to give in to panic and start to live as if there's not a God in heaven. Those are at least two edges that I have in my mind to, um, watch out for yeah that's right and and how we navigate that as a church is is uh, man it's critical that we we think principally and that we not give in to the temptations on either one of those edges that, that you've mentioned uh, i'll just let me read just a paragraph that our elders sent to our congregation on saturday when we were announcing that we were going to be doing things differently we decided we weren't going to have our small group meetings our sunday school and, and, and seminar times for adults and we were just going to gather for worship in the morning and then that morning we decided we would not gather again in the evening but on saturday before this sunday this is what we sent out to them an email an extensive email that included this that um, the most loving thing that you can do for yourself your loved ones with whom you interact closely in your church and your neighbors would be to not come and worship, not gather with your church to, to worship tomorrow if you have these kinds of risk factors. And so we just basically cited medical experts from CDC and others that have identified what certain risk factors are. So anyone with an underlying medical issue, including lung or heart disease, injuries, respiratory issues, compromised immune system, hypertension, uh, any chronic disease, uh, the elderly, uh, nursing mothers, pregnant women, 
the very young among us. So we just we didn't write a rule book, but we said these are the these these are what the categories medical experts are telling us need to be especially diligent to guard against getting sick. And so we had and we asked folks to send us emails if they were not going to be able to make it in, in light of this. And so we had multiple emails come in. Scores of our folks stayed home. Uh, we were way less than half of what our normal gathering was when we met Sunday. But we had a wonderful time of worship. And we, we thanked God for those who were willing to sacrifice by not gathering with the church. And and I'm not saying that we did that just right, but I'm saying that that, that is an example of, of practically doing what you just said trying not to give in to fear on the one hand right. and right. yet just not being cavalier and, and thoughtless on the other. Yeah. Some of these principles, I mean, I got all kinds of thoughts here for the, for the church. One thing to acknowledge for the church is that the assembled public worship of God is right at the center of what the church is. Right. And so we have to, we have to think principally about that. That does not mean that uh, if the church is providentially hindered from meeting, then them not meeting is sinful. It doesn't right. mean that. I mean, if a, if a hurricane came down through here in Florida and winds are blowing at 150 out there and no one can get out of their house, well, if we don't meet on a Sunday for worship, that's not sin to not meet. At the same time, keep in mind that the public worship of God assembled together as God's people is right at the heart of the purpose of the church. And there's a massive, massive call to do so in Scripture, and we're mm-hmm. going to do so. And uh, throughout the ages, throughout history, um, the church has has done this. And think about that assembly of God's people in relationship to even what happens in your land. You know, we were talking earlier, and I mentioned the the Israelites went in and destroyed the Canaanites and all of the other ites because their iniquity was complete. Mm-hmm. And so, think about what it means to be a Christian and to live a godly life, and to trust Christ, and to preach Christ, and to pray, to intercede, you know, as Moses did uh, for the people when when uh, plague came through, when disaster came through. If Christians can cultivate this mindset, a mindset of, of responsibility uh, for oneself, for one's family, for the church, and then even for our nation, and then for our world, saying, I'm going to intercede uh, to the Lord, asking him to be merciful, asking him to give me and others wisdom. You know, it's, in a moment like this is, is when people that don't know Christ are afraid to die. Yeah. It's just, that's what's going to happen. So panic will spread. Um, and so the call is to say, okay, we're not afraid of death. And in Christ, we're not afraid of death. And we're actually freed to care for others during this time. Now, I don't mean, well, hey, I'm not afraid of death, so I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go lick a stamp that somebody with a coronavirus just licked. Absolutely not. That's foolishness. We're not talking about that. But we are talking about um, a resistance to the panic that so easily spreads through society. We should be, we, we're having the Bible confirmed again and again by, by noticing that kind of panic. So, if I get to two principles, one is not being afraid of death saying in Christ, the stinger has been removed. Death is a doorway to paradise for me. There is no condemnation for me. Um, better to go and be with the Lord than to stay here. It's better by far. So I'm not afraid of death. It just helps me to think clearly, biblically live that way in this time. 
A second principle that I think is kind of guarding against that other rail I talked about is the principle of humility. Humility. I think there, there can sometimes be, you know, just some arrogance. Like, you know, there's a real danger out there. Like if the plague is going out and about, well, I'll just go face it because, you know, I'm not going to die. It's like, no, Christian humility says there are all kinds of things in this world that are dangerous that can overcome me. I'm only a man. I'm not God, you know? And so humility is going to say, there's certain things I can't do. Like, I don't have the ability to go out and to heal everybody of the coronavirus. I don't, I, I, the virus could, could infect me and could kill me. So I want to have a, a measure of humility when I'm thinking about the kind of courageous, loving things I want to do during this time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, um, man, uh, to understand, too, that we need to get our thinking and our marching orders from Scripture. Uh, one of the dangers I see happening is that we are paying far more attention to authorities in our nation, in the medical community, than we are to the Bible. And I'm not at all saying we shouldn't listen to governmental authorities and we shouldn't listen to medical experts. In fact, the reason that we would be submissive to governmental authorities is because the Bible tells us to. But we're Bible people, and we shouldn't expect the world that doesn't know God and even these great experts who don't know God to think like Christians. And so whenever we get these uh, these statements about, look, all non-essential meetings, well, most of the world would think that gathering as a church is not essential. But for Christians, we know that, no, it absolutely is essential. And one of the concerns I have is what could well be taking place that will have very um, disastrous effects in the aftermath of this a year from now, five years from now. Because in America, we're already so individualized and we think, you know, me and Jesus is all I need. And now we're hearing things. I've heard this long before the coronavirus was a threat of I decided to worship at home with my church today by Internet or by television. You know, I live streamed. And so I'm, we're worshiping by live stream. I've read this from Christian leaders, respected Christian leaders over the last several days. Um, one I read this morning said, you know, it's so great to worship at home with my grandkids. And you know, I didn't have anybody coughing on me. And our church met on, online today. Uh, another pastor was saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're meeting online today. We're not gathering in one place. We're gathering in you know a thousand places, or he mentioned a certain number." And well, no, you're not. No, you're not. The the church. We we need to let the Bible define what a church is. And of course, the word ecclesia simply means assembly. It means those called out. And you you can't have an assembly without assembling. Does that mean that the assembly doesn't exist, the church doesn't exist if they're not in meeting? Well, no, no, we, we exist, but we exist for the purpose of honoring Christ as an assembly. And I can be part of a church and not be in the assembly, but I can't say, hey, you know, I got my own church here by myself with Jesus in front of my television screen or my, uh, my computer screen. And my fear is that if as the CDC has now recommended, the next eight weeks, no one, no groups of more than 50 gather together, that if, if churches do this thoughtlessly, that they will come out in the next six months, a year from now, saying, hey, look how well we did that. Look how efficient it was. We don't need buildings. We don't need places to gather, which is certainly true. We don't need to come together, which is not true. 
And we can worship online. We can have churches online and can just further undermine what the Bible says a church is. You know, there, there are just some things that you can benefit. And I, we, we did live stream Sunday, and I don't know, probably 100 or more of our folks uh, tuned in online that way. I mean, there's evidence that, that was uh, at least that many did so. And that's good. And what we said to them is, hey, this is beneficial, but this is not the same thing. We don't want you being confused that what we're doing, uh, what you're doing online in your living room is the same thing as coming and meeting together with the people of God in a certain place at a certain time. And that you and I were talking earlier, there's certain things you can't do online. Like you can have, you, you can invite me over for a steak dinner uh, every Friday night and say, hey, Tom, it's a standing invitation. You know, we're going to gather and you invite several friends over for a steak dinner. And I wouldn't think that if, if I said to you, you know, I can't make it this Friday, but I'm just going to, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to live stream in. And man, this was so good. I, I'm not going to go away thinking, oh, this was great. I, you know, this was awesome. I got to eat dinner with Jared uh, on live stream tonight. Well, that, it, that's ludicrous. You can't do it. Well, in the same way, you can't meet as the church with, without being together with the people who are the church. Now, do churches right. meet in homes? Yeah, yeah. Churches can meet in homes, but they were churches. They weren't just individual Christians. And I think that's where, if we're not careful, we can be set up to be played and misled and, and, and taken down really unhealthy roads six months, a year, five years from now. Yeah, the... Um any kind of um, any kind of threat that comes like this coronavirus exposes where we're really at. It really it helps us to see what kind of principles we're operating on, what kind of things we consider to be very important, what kind of things we consider to be less important, and even doctrinal issues that we're not clear on. I think you're highlighting one of the doctrinal issues that we have already kind of in American Christianity not been that clear on, and that is the nature and purpose of the church. Right. Thinking that it is actually that we are to publicly assemble and to worship the triune God. And that's right at the heart of what the Absolutely. church is. Again, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be times where we're legitimately providentially hindered from doing so. It doesn't mean that if you're, you know, if you very clearly have some kind of sickness that you should go and infect other people. It doesn't mean that. But we're talking about the, the big idea here. That cannot go. That cannot be put aside in any kind of um, unthinking way or in any kind of permanent way. And so we're weighing that doctrinal issue over against other doctrinal issues, which are, you know, honor the emperor. Mm. and uh, submit to the civil authorities that God has placed over you and trying to exercise wisdom, looking at our own land, the state of the church, the state of our nation, and then get down to the ground and making some of those principled decisions. But you know, I thank God for an opportunity where, where we are, um, where it can really give us some insight. If you look at American Christianity before the coronavirus, there already is a lot of talk about, about um, Internet church, right. you know, and kind of a hyper individualized way of going about the Christian life. And so it's not like the coronavirus is creating any kind of problem that didn't already exist. I think it's highlighting a problem and the enemy might use it to advance that kind of problem. Um, 
but yeah, we need to wake up to it and see it and say, okay, let's repent, trust the Lord, think more biblically about this and live more biblically. And I think that's just one area, you know, where it's, um, where the coronavirus can highlight areas that need to be addressed in the church. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And so some of the good that can come is, okay, uh, We, if we're not going to engage in one anothering, if we're not going to be uh, mutually loving, admonishing, helping, serving one another, carrying each other's burdens during this time, it's going to leave our most vulnerable in, in very uh, difficult circumstances. And so praise God that we already have this instruction in Scripture and we know that this is what we're called to do. And now it's almost like we're going to be forced to do this. So uh, one of the things that we're trying to do as a church, and this is something that a church could, could consider doing as well, is we've announced that if there are folks in our church, elderly people or sick, who can't get to grocery stores or can't go pick up their medicines or can't get to the doctor's offices, uh, that we have healthy church members that are willing to drive them or go run errands for them or to, to serve them in other practical ways. And we're, we're hoping to do this for the community beyond the church too, because I guarantee you, we got a lot of scared neighbors, uh, people who, who don't know what to make of this and they don't have the, the scriptures operating in their lives as the very word of God to give them guidance. And so what an opportunity for churches to take a stand in the community, to equip members to go out and to love their neighbors in the same way. Yesterday, I think it was, or maybe Saturday, there was a fight at our local Sam's here in Cape Coral between two customers that were in a long line trying to to get groceries, and they just they broke out into a fight. And one of one of the neighbors in our community videotaped it and sent it around, and and my heart just broke. You know, I'm thinking this is this is horrible. This is right here, and and so this neighbor said, "Hey, look, man, if you need anything, come to my house." And I, I got on there and said, "Yeah, amen." And we're gonna get on that same little network of communication and say, "Look, our church is willing to serve you in practical ways. You need something, let us know. And if we can't get it for you, we'll do our best to find it and and to uh, to serve you in whatever practical ways we can." So that's a that's an upside. We're gonna be forced to do this, and that's a good thing. One of the downsides yep. is, though, that we're going to uh, we're going to to just gloss over what a church is. And I think back to you know what the reformers hammered out as they were trying to come to terms with separating from the Roman Catholic Church. And basically, this is what's been put in their confessions and in their writings. There are three marks of uh, a true holy apostolic church. It's where the word of God is faithfully preached and taught, where the ordinances or sacraments of the church are rightly administered, you know, baptism, Lord's Supper, and where church discipline is faithfully exercised. And so before you say, oh yeah, we had church in my house or we are a church in my house, ask yourself, are those marks there? If not, well then what you don't have is, an, you don't have an ecclesia you, you might have members of a church that are meeting together for Bible study, prayer, edification, fellowship, worship, and that's fine. But don't confuse that with what God calls a church. And we need to be careful in our language. We need to help our people to think about this so that they don't come out of this pandemic crisis thinking, well, you know what? Man, we did church pretty well online. I think that's just how I'm going to do church from now on. No, you can't do that. Not, not and be mm-hmm. faithful to Christ who's given us his word. Yep. You know, one other thing that rings in my head at a time like this is the is the truth that when when a crisis comes, people cry out to their God. That's right. And I would encourage you know Christians to 
examine themselves and then their families and their churches and then our nation um, along uh, through that lens. Like when panic, when panic crisis comes, uh, people cry out to their gods. So, so what are people crying out to? And very often that's going to be the government. They're going to be crying out to the government because in the way that our own society is structured, you know, really man is God in the minds of so many 21st century uh, Americans. And then the government are the ones that are supposed to heal. And so, you know, yes, it's good to look at the CDC and find out from that federal agency what the latest update is, right? But at some point that does cross over to, you know, this is my new inerrant word. Why, why haven't they given me a, a new update? I'm panicking. I need to know. I need to know, you know? And it's interesting. It's connected to to the materialism of our land, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the, 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 the biggest, the most, the, the most concerning thing, the ultimate thing that matters right now is the fact that, you know, our hospitals don't have the necessary um, tests or the necessary whatever to care for this care for this virus. Well, is that a problem? Absolutely, that's a problem. Is that the ultimate, absolute ultimate concern? Absolutely not. And if it is, you're living in a materialistic world, and there is no God in heaven. Right. So there is a direct connection between the church praying and the virus going away. Right. And you, you have to acknowledge that from the Christian worldview. There is a direct connection right there. So like on the one hand, you have materialism, where people, there, there is no, there is nothing that is immaterial. There is no God, there is no spirit, there is no realm in which, you know, that, that heavenly realm impacts this earthly realm. Uh, on the other hand, there is kind of a... The, I don't think this is as major of a problem, but there's some hyper-spiritualism, if I, I might call it that, right? Mm-hmm. Where you don't care at all about physical. You just don't care about the body. You don't care about the medicines. You don't think that any of the, these things matter. So absolutely they matter. God made us body and soul. Yeah. And I, think I would encourage people to just watch those lines. Think about what gods are you crying out to? Are you crying out to the true and living God? Make sure you do that. Um, remember him. Pray. Intercede. And acknowledge that God made us, yes, body and soul. And so we want to um, keep track of those things as we walk out these days. Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, this may be an oversimplification, but it's one of the ways that I've tried to help frame it for some of our folks to think about how quickly we get duped into thinking wrongly about these things. When you get a headache, what's your first thought? Well, I need a Tylenol, right? Or I need an aspirin or an Advil or something. And praise God for Tylenol and Advil. Those are good gifts that he's given to us. But we don't typically think of God. We don't remember that God's the one who's provided these wonderful medical gifts. So when you need to go to the hospital, go to the hospital, but don't put your confidence in the hospital or in the doctors. Put your greater confidence in the God who has given us hospitals and doctors. And that's the challenge because when... The coronavirus test kits go away when the uh, vaccines go away, when the uh, medicine that can promote healing goes away. You still have the God who gave them. We must never value the gifts more than we do the giver. And yet that is a great temptation that I think all of us face all the time. And in times like this, it's the Lord seems to be opening our eyes to to make us more sensitive to it. Let's touch on one more thing, Jared. 
So the CDC has said that they recommend no gatherings more than 50 people for the next eight weeks. And that's a part of our government. And we're told, you know, in Romans 13, that we're to be submissive to the governmental authorities because no authority exists except from God. And uh, they exist in order to serve us and to do good for us, not evil. So should churches just not meet? And that's one question, and a lot of churches have decided they're just not going to meet. Should they try to meet, but maybe in gatherings smaller than 50 people? Uh, what can they do? I, th- our elders are going to be grappling with these questions this afternoon when we meet together just for Grace Baptist Church here in Cape Coral. And I've got ideas I plan to throw out. You know, what, what about meeting in the open air? I mean, could we meet in our parking lot and just have chairs sep- separated, you know, by five, six feet and do that or can, can we meet in smaller groups knowing okay we're not able to meet all together but we can meet separately and it's not the same thing but it is something that we by providential uh, restrictions are able to do going forward these are questions that I think churches have to grapple with and not my, my take would be not just genuflect to the government say okay you know, you've told us we can't do this, so therefore we can't do this. I think we, we ought to be thinking principally from Scripture about what a church is, what God's called us to do, as we try to honor the government authorities and heed the advice and counsel given to us by medical experts that the government has conscripted to guide us through it. But in doing that, you might come up with ways of moving forward that don't look exactly like the church down the street. Yeah, I agree, man. I, this um, this gives us an opportunity to consider what God's word says about our governmental authority. And I don't know that the problem is necessarily that some people have too high a view of the government and some people have too low a view of the government. It's that I think we need to, I think we just have a wrong view of the government mm-hmm. in some way. Mm-hmm. So because I would say you need to have a very high view of the government. If you read Romans 13, yeah. you need to understand, um, I mean, Romans 13, 1 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur, incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. And then he kind of goes on, you know, there's, there's more there. Mm-hmm. The, and the, the main principle we understand is that if, if the, our authorities ever tell us to sin, well, we're not to go there because we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And we teach that. We explain that to people. So submit to your authorities, whether it be parental or ecclesi- ecclesiastical or civil, unless they're telling you to sin. Well, then you don't. But the, the life always happens. on the ground where it's not going to be black and white. We're having to deal with the CDC, which I believe at this point, it is a federal agency. It's just a recommendation that they're giving at this point. So they're not, they're not sanctioning that you don't meet. Um, But even if they did sanction that you don't meet, you're going to have to consider that very high position that they have. They are God's servant for the good of those under their care. And, then we're going to have to acknowledge that um, over against the the data that we have um, about the threat, about what it is they're asking us to do and what we know while acknowledging even in war, it's like the same thing with war, 
the government will actually uh, will often have more information than we would. I remember reading that in an Andrew Fuller sermon from a long time ago. So we acknowledge we're not we're not working with all the the, the intel that other people have, and yet we are acknowledging this purpose of the church to gather and to publicly assemble and to worship the triune God. And so that's got a they've got a high bar to meet if the government's going to come and tell the church not to assemble. They've got a very, very, very high bar to meet. And we are the kind of people that will take every precaution not to advance any kind of virus. Mm -hmm. Um, And if, I mean, if it's the black plague that's coming through and rather than a, maybe a a two, three, four, five, 6% death rate, it's an 80% death rate. Well, then we, we, that's a different situation. Um, But at any rate, this is the wisdom that, elders and churches are going to need. What is the government's job? What is the uh, role and function purpose of the church? And then pray and seek wisdom in in those realms. I'm glad it's still only in the realm of recommendation. And I think the church is going to have to, the thing we're weak on, at least the susceptible is we are not thinking about the purpose of the church. Yes, God wants Christians to assemble on earth with their feet on the ground and he wants them to sing to him and to praise his name. He's called us to do that um, once a week, one one day in seven. And yes, there is such a thing as being providentially hindered, um, but there's very often um, a, a tendency to think we're being providentially hindered when we're really not providentially hindered. So oh, that at least sketches out some thoughts on it. No, you're exactly right on that, man. And, and why should we have a high view of the government? Because the Bible tells us to. The, the ultimate authority, God, has spoken and tells us how we ought to think about lesser authorities, including governments. And, you know, your, your statement about the uh, gathering together as a church and how we don't always take it as seriously as we should reminds me of the story of John Payton that he tells about his dad that as long as he could remember, there were only, I think, two occasions that his he knew of that his dad didn't make it to the Lord's Day gathering of worship in his church, sometimes had to walk miles. And he tells one time about the, the, the pastor of the church begging him not to come because there was this widespread disease. and uh, But another time, an ice storm, I think, held him back. He tried to make it and couldn't. Well, we don't have that type of thinking about the church today. You know, if I have a hangnail when I wake up on Sunday morning, I think, oh, well, I shouldn't go to church. Or, you know, if the sun's shining too bright, well, I don't go to church. Or if it's raining too much, I don't go to church. We just don't have that type of thinking that John Payton saw in his dad that resulted in the... Uh, influence he had on his son that resulted in the new Hebrides coming to Christ. But we need that. We, we need to think practically on the ground. We need to honor the governmental authorities, but we need to recognize that what this world needs to, in the face of this pandemic more than anything else is God. And if we know that, then as God's people, we ought to be crying out to God. We ought to take the Bible seriously. You know, Amos, uh, speaks of this Amos 3 6 says is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it mm-hmm. God, God's sovereign over this COVID-19 virus that we're being uh, having thrust upon us God's sovereign over that so if this right. virus is going to be healed if it's going to be stopped God's the one that's going to do it he may use the CDC and other medical experts to do it, or he may not, but it's God who does it. And if we don't put right. our confidence in God, we're sunk. Right. And there, there, there's a, um, 
for pastors especially, there's a vertical and a horizontal dimension to this thing that we need to shepherd through. And the vertical is part of our duty is to see that the public worship of God is kept up. Like we are to, we are to make sure that that, that corporate public worship of God continues. So if you could create a scenario in which, you know, some of your church couldn't gather, um, there's still an obligation that you assemble or somebody assemble, you know, if at all possible, assemble to make sure that vertical dimension continues. And then as we've done with, with even encouraging some of our um, either sick folks or, um, or high-risk folks to not join, there's that horizontal dimension to make mm-hmm. sure through this you're caring well for people that have not been able to assemble or people that will not uh, be able to assemble as much as they normally would. So those are at least two categories for people to think in. Make sure that we are pointing people to the Lord and that we're actually doing everything we can do to keep up the public corporate worship of God and then making sure you're caring for uh, folks who are not going to be able to gather with you normally. Yeah, well, that's a good word, man. And uh, this is uh, th- this issue is forcing churches to back up, and we ought to be thinking carefully, crying out to God, recognizing our desperate dependence upon Him, our need of Him, and with real hope and joy, remembering that He's given us His Son, that in the Lord Jesus we have everything we need for this world and the world to come, and we have no reason to give in to fear. So, man, at all costs, let's help one another to fight against fear by remembering Jesus Christ. Well, thanks so much for joining us today uh, on this little bit unusual Sword and Trial podcast. Uh, We look forward to coming back to you again under more normal circumstances, God willing, next week. Especially want to thank our FAM members and our Founders Alliance churches. Thank you for your faithful, ongoing support of this ministry. And I would ask that if you've listened this long and made it all the way through the podcast, would you mind just stopping to pray for Founders? Pray for Jared and and for me, for Hannah, for Whitney. Uh, There's lots of things on the table. We're working on Wield the Sword and, of course, the, the disruption in travel has made that complicated as well with trying to get people together. Uh, the things we're talking about today that Jerry and I have talked about, they, they touch on exactly what we're going after in Wield the Sword. And those episodes we'll be putting together will be addressing some of these very specific things about how we think biblically, how we think principally about the church and about our place in the world, about the way the gospel is to work in the world. So if, if you would just uh, pray with us, pray for us, that God would help us through this time. Thanks for listening. 